That can be a tough lesson to learn, isn't it? Yeah, that can. Comes with a price sometimes, doesn't it? Well, let's take our Bibles, turn to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, beginning in verse 1. Again, we've been dealing with secrets of successful living, and we've been addressing this topic, finding God's plan for our lives. And so we're going to continue on with that and kind of get close to finishing it up. If we don't finish it up today, we'll be really close. But Acts chapter 9, we read about a man in the Bible by the name of Saul, and ultimately he would be called Paul, and he would make a tremendous impact in the church. Matter of fact, he made a tremendous impact in our church even today. And it's interesting and it's really amazing to think that the investments that we make in life will also follow us into eternity. And even the investments we make in this life will continue to produce long after we're gone. Someone says, yeah, but I don't have much of an impact. Uh, You'd be amazed what portion of your life has been invested in others. how, How much does it take to have an investment? You don't have to invest much. I I do a little bit of investing on a little website called Robinhood. And uh, I'm big about, uh, I like to make a lot of money fast. Well, at least percentage-wise. So I like to get into those like stocks that are like, you know, 80 cents a share. And jump to $1.20 and I've made 50%. And I feel good. You know, or buy a $3 stock and see it go up to 4 And I go, man, I made 25%. Actually, that'd be a little more than that. It's actually 33 But the fact is, is that, is that I like to see that. Now, wait, the, the question is, how many shares do I buy? You say, well, you buy 1,000, you buy 10,000, you buy 100,000? Sometimes like 10 or 20. <laughs> but I've got a share in it. I've got, I'm invested And you say, yeah, but that's a very little investment. I know, but it's still a part of the company, and it ultimately can grow if I leave it there. Think about if you invested in a stock called IBM years ago. Or maybe Bitcoin not too awfully long ago. You say, I didn't invest much. Yeah, but you got a lot as a result. Let me tell you, you think God's return is any less than the world's? I mean, you mean to tell me we're going to make an investment in the work of God and the things of God, the people of God, and our investment's going to be any less than the world's could be or the best investment the world can offer? Well, I'll tell you what, make investments in people, make investments in lives, make investments in your own life even, and watch God use you and watch God do something miraculous in this life, but even more so in the next. Acts chapter 9, we run into a man again by the name of Saul who made a tremendous investment. And boy, it's paid off even to this day and will throughout eternity. Notice what it says in verse 1. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went into the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound into Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus. And suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? He said, Who art thou, Lord? The Lord said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? 
And the Lord said unto him, Arise, and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man, but, uh, no man, but they led him by the hand and brought him unto Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither did eat nor drink. Boy, we got talking about uh, this topic and this issue of finding God's plan for our lives. And there is no doubt that the Apostle Paul found the plan of God for his life. But may I say that not only did the Apostle Paul find a plan for his life, but he, he found purpose in living as a result. And the truth is, is that God has a plan for your life, and he has a plan for my life. And the truth is, is that in finding that plan, you find purpose for living. And so do I. Boy, the Lord has a definite plan, we said, a definite purpose for the life of every believer, every one of his children. And we said there were three strong reasons for believing this. We said, one, it's reasonable to expect. We said not only that, but it's according to experience. We look at the lives of Abraham, Moses, David, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Paul, and we recognize that God, each and every time, had a plan for their life. And if God had a plan for their life, he has a plan for ours. Not only that, we said God's word teaches it. You need only read through the scriptures and you realize that God is a God of order. And boy, I tell you what, he wants order not only in his universe, he wants order in this world. He wants order in your life, your home, your family. And boy, I tell you what, he accomplishes that by sharing purpose and ultimately, like I say, sharing his plan with us. He knows exactly what he wants for us and what we ought to be doing. Well, we need to be listening for that plan of God, finding the plan of God. Now, <clears throat> we started talking then about four characteristics of God's plan for our lives. And we said, first of all, it's a personal plan. It's very personal. Even as Paul there in chapter 9, verse 4, we see him say, why persecutest? He says, why persecutest thou me? And Paul goes on in verse 6 and trembling says, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And he arises and goes into the city and it shall be told thee, he says, it shall be told thee what thou must do, thou must do. Again, it's personal. It's personal. And you know what? God has a personal plan for your life. It, it's going to be possibly very different from your neighbor. But it's his plan. I'm not talking about the will of God in that sense. I'm talking about the plan of God. It's very personal. We see not only is that plan personal, but it's a perfect plan. It's a perfect plan. In, Rome, in Romans 12, 1 and 2, the Bible says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world. But I was looking for that round, weird ball that we had earlier a few weeks back, but it's not there. But anyway, and be not conformed to this world, but be it transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Remember I had that weird-looking yellow ball that Chase found me. And it had all those, like, I don't know, like, I don't, it looked like something that would go on the end of a habergian. You don't know what that is. Uh, I do, though. But anyway, it's, it's you know, those, those things, you know, those, have you ever seen those uh, handles, like the wood handle? It's got a chain on it, and it's got a ball with some spikes in it. That's how that ball looked, like spiked ball. I could tell you a really neat story about a woman that jumped out of a car after me with a 
Hebergean, but I'll not tell you that story now, maybe at another time. But anyway, <clears throat> that was really an interesting story. But anyhow, uh, no, I can't tell you that story now. No, I can't. I'll get off track. So anyway, we see here that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I assume that's a habergine. Maybe I'm missing, messing that one up. But anyway, it's something like that. Anyway, it's, got, it's a ball with a bunch of spikes on it at the end of a chain. And it looks a lot more devastating when it's swinging towards you. But anyway, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Well, I'll tell you what, the will of God in this case and, and the plan of God, either one, it's a perfect plan. It's not, it's, it's, it's not just good or acceptable or perfect. And we talked about that. Listen, God understands that you can't do anything about your past and you're not guaranteed tomorrow. So all you have is today. So guess what? You can be in the plan of God and the will of God today. There's no secondary will. Well, you messed up the first one. Guess what? Good luck. You got seconds from now on. You get all the leftovers because you've messed up the first time. Listen, I don't believe God's got leftovers for anybody. I think he's got the best for all of us if we'll get in the center of his will and follow his plan for our life. I just believe that. I'm not saying there's not consequences for sin and we don't carry some of those with us and the scars don't affect us down the road. I'm just saying that God is more than willing to bless us if we'll indeed get on board with his plan. Boy, it's a perfect plan. But not only that, but we started, we continued then, and we, we, we stopped with this one. It's a practical plan. And so I want to touch on that and move along and talk a little bit about the plan of God here as we deal with this, this idea, this thought of secrets of successful living. The plan of God, how important is that? Let's go ahead and pray and we'll continue. Father, we lead you, we love you. We ask for your leadership and we ask for your love today. We do pray that you will speak to us, that you'll work in our lives, that you'll remind us who we are, what we are, and may we be reminded of who and what we are in you. Thank you for the blessings of being a child of God, for having you living in us, providing us with that leadership and hope that we need and allowing us to be used of you in such a mighty way. We understand that you should not even be mindful of us, but we are so grateful you are. Thank you, Lord. Bless us now in this time. In Christ's name, amen. So we've already touched on it's a personal plan, a perfect plan, but you know what? It's a practical plan. You know, God's plan is a workable plan, and it's related to everyday living and everyday service very practical. It's not some pie in the sky. It's not some abstract thought. It's very practical. It's hands-on. His plan doesn't just sound good or make for inspiring conversation. It is very practical and it is proven. Look, if you would, in Psalm chapter 18, verse 30. Powerful verses. I love this. I love this verse. I love the verses around it. Chapter 18 of Psalms is wonderful. Look at what it says here, though, in verse 30. We talk about the plan of God for our life. Well, that means it's God's plan, and we'll talk a little bit more about that here in a little bit. But but notice it says, as for God, chapter 18, verse 30, His way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler to all those that trust in Him. Boy, as for God, His way is perfect. 
I don't know. You know, the Bible says there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of what? Death. But let me tell you something. Although the ways of man may lead to death, the truth is, is that his way, the Lord's way, is perfect. Well, I'll tell you what, you want to be, you want to get everything out of life you can possibly get? My friend, you need to get in his way. Not in his way like standing in front of him holding him up. I'm talking about along the way. You need to follow his steps. You need to allow him to direct your steps and lead you. His way is perfect. Well, not your way, not my way. His way. Perfect. And boy, I'll tell you what, his plan for your life is the best plan that you could possibly ever apply. It works and it's practical. And listen, it's something you can sink your teeth into. I'm telling you that it's something that every day of your life, it's practical. It's not just, well, is the plan, let me feel, am I in the plan of God? Mm, kind of like, no, it's not like that. I wake up in the morning and what God wants me to get in his word, that's simple. That's part of the plan of God for my life. That's the will of God even for my life. And he wants me to, to, to fellowship with him and he wants me to be a witness and he wants me to take steps that are pleasing and, and honoring to him. He wants to let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. Oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer, a very practical plan. God's plan should affect our decisions and the direction in our life. I mean, when a man or a woman finds the plan of God for their life or is confronted with the plan of God, it's going to affect the direction they travel. It's going to ultimately change their destination. Hey, listen, I've got a way that I want to travel and I know where I want to go, but the problem is that may not be God's plan. God's plan, the moment he presents it, could very well change your direction and change ultimately your destination. That's how he works. Not everybody's to be a pastor. Not everybody's to stand in a pulpit and preach and proclaim the word as a, as, as, as a pastor of a church. But I know as a young man, when God began to speak to me about the ministry, and I was planning on being a teacher and being a football coach, and I was going to go ahead and, oh, okay, Lord, I, okay, I, I hear you talking, but maybe I'll tell you what I'll do, Lord. I'll be a witness to all those teenagers. I'll make sure that I'm always being a good coach and a godly coach, and I'll invite them to church. And the Lord said, yeah, but that's not what I want for you. What I want for you is the ministry. What I want for you is to take a step and trust me completely with your life. What I want you to do is quit trying to hold on to your dreams and go ahead and hold on to my plan. But I'll tell you what, his plan changed my direction and his plan changed my destination. And it'll do the same ultimately in your life maybe. I'm not saying, again, it's not just about ministry full-time in the sense of standing behind a pulpit and preaching, but let me tell you something, it'll change your direction where once maybe you wouldn't find yourself talking to somebody about the Lord, when you get in the plan of God, you'll find yourself wanting to pass the track and tell somebody about Jesus. You'll find yourself going in a different direction, going in a different vein of life. It's amazing what God does as he begins to reveal his plan for our life. It's very practical. It affects our direction. It affects our destination. It just does that. And when we get out of God's plan, that changes our direction too, doesn't it? And that changes our destination as well. It works both ways. Have you ever known somebody was in the plan of God, but then all of a sudden they kind of slipped a, away from the will and plan of God for their life? Changes their what? Direction. You know what that ultimately changes? Their destination. How did they end up there? I'll tell you how. 
They got out of the plan of God and the will of God for their life. Or somebody looks at somebody and says, how'd they ever get there? I never would have dreamed they'd arrive there. It's because they got in the plan of God and in the will of God for their life. It's a practical plan. Not only that, but we said there were four aspects of this plan. We, we, we touched on it. We said, of course, personal. It's perfect. It's practical, but it's providential too. It's a providential plan. Providential. That, that simply means it's a divine plan. It's God's plan. And as we said earlier in the passage, chapter 18, verse 30, as for God, his way is perfect. Well, I'll tell you what, his plan is perfect. It's always right, isn't it? And, but the plan of God is a godly plan. It's his plan for you. It's his plan for me. It's not mom's plan or dad's plan maybe for my life. It's not my brother or sister's plan. It's not my grandma or grandpa's plan maybe. Oh, I know, that rubs wrong people in the world that are fleshly. But the truth is, is that every parent in the room and every parent that's a Christian parent would want their children to be in the plan of God. But that doesn't always mean it fits our plans. That can be disappointing. That can even be discouraging. Take somebody that's worked their whole life to build a family business only to find that their child feels the need to go into ministry. And they're like, are you kidding me? I think of... of, of, of um, um, William Borden, uh, the Borden estate, uh, you know, the uh, Borden Milk Company or whatever, dairy company. I mean, multi-million dollar, uh, uh, heir to a, a multi-million dollar company, and here he is going to the ministry. Here he is, instead of following in the footsteps of the family business, he chooses to go overseas for, uh, across the globe, and there he dies a month later on the mission field. Fortunately for us, his mother was very supportive of his decision. Fortunately, they were godly men and women. Fortunately, they said, it doesn't matter what we want. What matters is what God wants for your life. You follow God's plan, and you obey God's will for your life, young man. Boy, that ought to be every parent's heart and desire. Because that is a providential plan. It's a godly plan. It's his plan. You know, by the way, even... Let me me use this as an illustration, but let me kind of... Because sometimes it seems like we get off the plan a little bit, you know? Like, what's God doing in my life? I thought I was supposed to be going this way, but it feels like I'm going that way. I don't know if you've ever felt that way. I mean, it, it happens. But it's interesting. Even though the Mississippi River flows from north to south, I mean, all the way north to south, if you fly the length of the river, you're going to find that at times it flows north and at times west, but you know what? Ultimately, the river flows south. I mean, this thing's going from north to south, but sometimes it goes, and sometimes it goes, but in the end, guess where it ends up? South. So it starts near Canada and empties into the Gulf of Mexico. So what really matters, I guess, then, is not whether the river temporarily, you know, the, the temporary direction of the, of, the, of the river, that's not what's most important. What's really most important is the ultimate destination of it, right? Okay, it starts north, it ends south. That's the real key. But there's times it takes a jog left or a jog right or it goes even north instead of south. Boy, Joseph's life took a number of twists and turns, didn't it? But ultimately... He accomplished the perfect plan of God, didn't he? I mean, his brothers sold him into slavery. 
There he ends up in Egypt in Potiphar's house as a slave. He's falsely accused of some things. Leads him right into a pit, uh, right into prison. So he goes from a pit to Potiphar to prison. And boy, I mean to tell you, it looked grim and it looked bad. He wasn't heading straight north. He was going all over the place. But boy, when it all was said and done, he ended up right where God wanted him, didn't he? We find him basically running all of Pharaoh's finances. There he is now, controlling the nation of Egypt. And as a result, he's able to spare his family's lives and ultimately a nation. He said, you know what? You meant it evil against me, but God meant it for good. That devil was trying to destroy, but you know what? God, he had a plan. You might be able to kind of thwart the plan of God for a minute. You might be able to kind of require a little bit of a turn here or there. But let me tell you something. You don't mess with God's plan. In the end, you end up in the right place. And I just want you to know, it doesn't matter how you feel in this journey. You stay with God's plan. Don't get off on your own. Don't think you finally figured out what's better. Stick with Jesus Christ. You'll end up in the right place. The turns of life, or should I say the turns that life takes, are not important as where it begins and where it ends. But I'll tell you what, the devil will try to get you focused on a turn in life. Maybe you made a bad turn even. Maybe you even got off course. Don't let the devil focus, get you focused on that bad turn. Because what really matters is where you begin and how you end. End strong. Get on track, stay on track, and let God lead you right where he wants you. And he'll do that. He'll certainly do that for you. So, how can I know God's plan for my life? And what's involved in finding it then? Well, we said that the Lord has a definite plan and purpose for the life of every one of his children. We also said the most important thing in life is to discover God's plan and purpose for our life then. You know, it is a sad truth that a number of Christians will fail to discover God's plan and purpose for their life. And as a result of that, their whole life will be filled with disappointment and defeat. They'll be filled with frustration and failures. And they'll wonder, why is it I just can't seem to make a go of this? Why is it that things just aren't falling into place like I would assume they should. I'm going to tell you, God allows some things in our life, even when we are in his plan, to upset the, the apple cart. But many times they are of our own making because we fail to find and follow the plan of God for our life. What can be more fulfilling and more satisfying than knowing that our human efforts filled with the Spirit of God are making an impact in eternity. I mean, that's, that's fulfilling, though. That's satisfying. I talked to somebody just the, today, I believe it was. Yeah, it was just today. It was at the bus inspection. By the way, our buses have all but one passed, and by tomorrow, that one will pass, too. A lot of work, a lot of effort, but it's done. And I'll tell you what, to be honest with you, I kind of look forward to bus inspection now. You say, why? 
Well, because on Monday, they had Jubilee Donuts there. And on Tuesday, there was this wonderful breakfast sandwich that my mother-in-law made, and wow. And today, Brother Steve made this chicken and cheesy potatoes on a Traeger, I believe it was. Smoked it. I am ready for bus inspection next year already. (laughs) Bring it on. It's got to be the plan of God for my life. (laughs) But boy, the most important thing in life, therefore, is to discover God's plan and purpose for our life. And then we, we we enter God's plan when we accept and acknowledge Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord, don't we? I mean, you start there. You got to begin by being part of the family. Do you realize that everyone on earth is not necessarily part of the family of God? We're all creations of God, but we're not all children of God. You become a child of God by faith in Christ Jesus. And boy, once you become a child of God, guess what? The Father has a plan for your life, He has a plan for my life as His child. It's interesting, in my own home, boy, I tell you what, growing up uh, or, or raising my children, I had tremendous dreams and aspirations for my children. Now, I'll be honest, I had dreams and some aspirations for others, but not like my own kids. There was something unique and different about my children compared to your children. They were mine. And I was glad yours went home with you. Instead of going home with me, I had enough of them. I had four of them. That was plenty. Didn't need any more. Some of you are gluttons for punishment around here. Seven, eight, nine, ten kids. Wow. Now again, praise the Lord for you, but as for me and my house, obviously the Lord knew four was enough for me. But you know what? My kids, I had some real goals and plans and aspirations and dreams for them. You know, and I had a plan for them. I knew what they, they, listen, you're going to do this, and you're going to do this, and this is the plan. You're going to, you know, sit at the dinner table like Brother Josh mentioned the other day and not put your elbows on the table and all kind of good stuff. That was my plan for them. I didn't have that plan for your kids. You do whatever you want with yours. Yours can sit up there like this for all I care. (laughs) But my kids weren't allowed to do that. They had to have their forearms on there. You know why? Because my dad taught me to do that. It's got to be right then, right? My dad only taught me the right things. Everybody else was wrong. (laughs) Okay, some of you are getting mad and I'm just joking around. But anyway, (laughs) his children, are you his child? So how is it then that, and, and boy, the clock must be fast again. I'm going to give these to you quick. Here they are. And I mean that. Number one, we, listen, we go on to discover and we continue in God's plan by doing some things. Communing with him in prayer. You got to commune with God. You got to meet with God in prayer. Take a look at Psalm 2711 when you get a chance. Psalm 2711. I'm just going to read it real fast here, but um, and, and that particular psalm, it's an interesting passage. It's not one that you'd probably think about when you, you really first think about prayer, but it goes like this. It says, 
Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. Well, we all know we got plenty of enemies, don't we? The devil being our greatest adversary. But he says here in the passage, Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path. He's talking to the Lord. And boy, I tell you what, we need to pray. We need to commune with him. If we want to be in the will, of, uh, the will and plan of God for our lives, we need to pray like the, the psalmist did when, when he simply says, he, he says, um, oh, there it is. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path. Boy, I want God to lead me in plain paths, don't you? But you're going to know, you, you know what you got to do? You got to get with him. You got to meet with him. And you have to commune with him and fellowship with him in prayer. Also, also studying and searching his word. Boy, if we want to we find the will of God and continue in the will of God, then we have to study and search the word of God. We know Psalm chapter 119, verse 105, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So it says, man, I don't have any direction in my life. Can I tell you where you find it? In this book right here, the word of God. You find it here. Oh, I know that seems too simple. And people say, nah, I mean, I want something I can sink my teeth into. I want something more practical. There's nothing more practical than the word of God. Boy, the world over is searching for something to satisfy and to fill that void that exists within. And let me tell you, they're doing a pretty poor job of it. But I'll tell you what, you get into this book, this word, not only will you find that which satisfies and fills that void, but you're going to find the plan of God and the will of God for your life, and you'll find purpose for existing. You discover and you continue in God's plan by communing with Him in prayer, by studying and searching His word. You do that also by prompt and unquestioned obedience. Wow, I'll tell you what, this one's a tough one. It sounds a lot easier than it is. By prompt, meaning immediate, basically, quick, unquestioned obedience. Have you ever been told to do something that you just weren't sure about by an authority? Maybe a mom or a dad or a grandma or grandpa told you to do something. You thought, I don't know if I want to do that. Now, let let me make it real simple. If you were obedient, you did it. If you were disobedient, you didn't. And you know what? We live in a culture and a society today that when I say that, people go, oh my gosh, you can't be totally obedient because people might want you to do something that's immoral or wrong. or wrong. <laughs> I don't want to teach my kid to be totally obedient because I'm afraid that somebody will take advantage of them. And so what we do, we haven't, watch this. Let me show you what we do. I'll do it over here first. You know what that was? You know what that is? Watch this. Watch this. You know what we do? Starting a Harley. Harley. No, that's that. Actually, that's that's starting a Harley. You you know what we're doing, don't you? Knee-jerk reaction, right? We swing way over to the other side because of the abuses of things. I'm telling you, our children need to learn unquestioned and and immediate obedience. Now, again, I I understand, you, you know, there's ways to do that without undermining authority. I get that. And we do have to use some wisdom in certain things. But I'm telling you, as a mom and a dad, I would hope that you would expect, I hope you would expect prompt and unquestioned obedience from your children. Because why, why do I say I hope that's the case? Because if they don't learn it from you, toward you, they're going to really struggle 
to exercise it towards someone they don't even see. You get where I'm going? So communion with him in prayer, studying and searching his word, prompt and unquestioned obedience. And then if we're going to discover and continue with God's plan, then we need complete and implicit trust. Complete and implicit trust. You know, we're converted by faith, aren't we? We trust Christ. We believe in the Lord. We are, are regenerated as a result of putting our personal faith and trust in Christ. And the Bible tells us that we now have to walk in faith. The very faith it took to be saved, it takes to live. We have to be living by faith, not by sight. Boy, if you want to fulfill, you, want to, you truly want to discover the plan of God. You, you really want to continue in that plan you do it both the same way. You want to discover it? Commune with God in prayer. Study and search the word. Prompt and unquestioned obedience. Complete and implicit trust. You want to continue in it? You have to do the same things. Watch. You know why, you know why marriages fail? Because we don't keep doing what it took to get it. Watch this. We don't, we don't keep doing what it took to get it. And you know what? When it comes to this issue of the plan of God, it isn't enough to just find the plan of God. If you're going to continue in it, you have to keep doing the same things. Boy, God wants the best for us, his best. Do you want God's best for your life? He does. He wants his best for you. Do I want God's best for my life? He wants his best for my life. Well, Boy, it's important that we find God's plan for our lives and then keep doing what it takes to remain in it, to continue in it. And I do want you to know that I'm feeling this tinge right in the back, right there above my gluteus maximus. I have to warm up next time before I do that knee jerk reaction. <laughs> Nonetheless, <laughs> let us continue. Let us continue in the plan of God. If you found it, keep going. Don't quit. All right? Don't quit. He wants what's best for you. And I know if you do, you're going to, you'll never regret it. Father, we thank you. Lord, you're good to us. And